Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Steadfast and Law podcast. And we are now talking with Jim Nels. Jim is a supply chain consultant based in Chicago, Illinois. He should probably move out of Chicago, but that's a topic for another day. He has served as a chief procurement officer, chief supply chain officer, and a chief operations officer for multiple companies. Jim served his country as a naval officer after attending college on a Navy ROTC scholarship. He has a Bachelor's of Arts from Northwestern University in Economics and French, as well as a Master's in Management from the J.L. Kellogg Graduate School of Business. Jim, welcome to the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Anchors away. Thank you, Colonel West. It's an honor to be here. Okay. Someone like you is smart enough to explain to me why we have empty shelves in stores in the United States of America. And and that has just happened really in the last, what, 18 to 24 months, if that. You know, I've got a 14-month-old grandson, and this whole baby formula thing is just perplexing to me. And so I want to understand, other than going on maternity leave, what is the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, doing about this? Um. You know, the man did take a two-month vacation and no one noticed he was gone, right? So it's a very interesting situation. <laughs> the, I think before we can talk about what he's doing, we should look at the origins of what happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this did come from, from COVID. So w- when COVID hit, we were in a situation where factories closed, empty shipping containers weren't being picked up, the number of ships on the ocean went down, ports started closing, and so basically the world came to a standstill. But then something happened, and you know there were very few people who were calling for this. It was really people like Peter Navarro, myself, and um, a few others who said, we're going to have a V-shaped recovery. Mm-hmm. We're not going to come back slowly. We're going to come back really, really fast. And when that happened, demand shut up faster than people expected. And again, the containers were in the wrong place. We had a bunch of empty shipping containers in the United States, but no one over in China where we were buying the things. And so that really hurt. A couple of other factors that it had added to this were one, too much reliance on offshoring and low cost country sourcing. Yes. If you're buying everything from China, if the ship doesn't sail, it doesn't get here. Yes. Right. If, there, if there's no container, you can't do it. Port congestion was a big issue as well. So, you know, typically it t- you plan for five to six weeks for a ship to leave Shanghai, arrive in the port of Los Angeles, be unloaded and get delivered. We were seeing three, four almost five months sometimes. So that again, held up everything and kept the store shelves closed. Another contributing factor was, you know, something called lean manufacturing and just-in-time delivery. Companies had cut their inventory levels so low that they were dependent on daily arrivals of um, raw materials so that they could manufacture the parts that they needed. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing was the government stimulus packages. We pumped so much money into the economy that people were making more money by not working than they were by working. Mm-hmm. So all of these things got together and, and created a situation where parts weren't getting where they needed to go. They didn't have the, the folks to manufacture when they did get the parts. I mean, labor productivity is at a very, very low 
now spot right now is the lowest since 1947. So folks aren't making as much because they can't get the parts. Now, what's the government doing about it? They're giving it a lot of lip service. I'm not seeing any real action. They they talked about offering the ports 24-7, but the ports didn't really run 24-7 because the place to um, drop off the empty containers and put a new container on a chassis weren't open 24-7. They haven't suspended any of the rules and regulations in California to make it easier for folks to bring their trucks in. So I don't know how many people know this, but there's a law in California right now that says no truck with an engine built before 2006 can operate in California. At the end of this year, they're going to increase that up to 2010, which will take 80,000 trucks off the road um, in California. So the government is giving it lip service. They're not really doing anything. And 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 it's a darn shame because this really isn't that hard to help to fix. Yeah. And Gavin Newsom wants to be the president of the United States of America. He has destroyed California. Okay, let's break this down in piece by piece. Uh, Because the first thing you talked about was the supply chain. How do we get better at bringing our supply chain back from a country like China, our number one geopolitical foe, to the United States of America? How do we bring that production and manufacturing of some of these key products back to America? It's it's really not that hard. And, you know, instead of saying America, let's just go with the USMCA region uh, with with President Trump, because there are still some things that would be better made in either Canada or Mexico or the United States, depending on what's there. But we're seeing it. People are really refocusing on repatriating their supply chains, getting things made in the USA and shortening the supply chain. We're seeing more and more folks invest. I mean, look at Elon Musk just built a new uh, plant in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing more and more uh, computer chip manufacturers come here, even before the government passed that chip stimulus bill, which you know we can talk about later if you want to. But it's happening already. It's happening organically. There's also a big um, Made in America movement going on right now where in order to, to provide certain uh, products to certain customers, you have to prove that X percent of your content comes from the United States, and that's helping as well. But folks are doing it because they realize that having a supply chain that's 10 to 12,000 miles long is just not sustainable whenever there's a hiccup. Everything has to run perfectly in order for that to work, and it, we saw what happened during the last two years. Let's let's talk about this Chips Plus bill that just got signed uh, into law this week. The the plus thing is what really you know troubles me because uh, you know the the chips part of this bill this law now is very small when you consider the plus all the other strap hangers uh, that go along with it. So is this really going to help us with chip manufacturing in the United States of America or not? No. It won't. We'll, we'll see. We'll see maybe a, a nice groundbreaking ceremony somewhere. Uh, the government will take credit for it. But at the end of the day, anything that's being broken ground is was planned well in advance. This may help a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's it's not really going to help very much at all. And it was just another pork package for um, the Silicon Valley elite. So this is another Solyndra. Basically, yes, in my that's, opinion. That's pathetic. OK, the next thing that you brought up, uh, the port facilities. You know, when I was in Congress, uh, I represented that southeastern coast from Fort Lauderdale up to uh, uh, Jupiter Inlet. And I had two major ports there, of course, the uh, port of Fort Lauderdale and then also the port of Palm Beach. What can we do to increase our capacity for bringing in more shipping into the ports so that we're not just dependent upon California? I mean, we've got, you know, port facilities here. What can we expand in Texas? I know that Savannah is looking at growing and expanding. 
We're looking at more deep water to facilitate what they're doing with some of these uh, super cargo ships that are going to be coming through the Panama Canal. So are we on the right track for port development? That's the infrastructure I think we need to be looking at. Yeah, I, I think, Colonel West, that instead of focusing on trying to create equity with roads and bridges, we should really be investing money in our ports. Um, even the best port in the United States ranks in the bottom quartile of the world's most most efficient ports. Wow. So there's there's too much labor, not enough automation, and too much of a reliance on the ports of Long Beach and the ports of Los Angeles. Yes. So what, what we need to see is more companies bringing in cargo into the, the Gulf of Mexico, leveraging what's available in Texas, leveraging what's available in Florida. I think Governor DeSantis has done a very nice job of reaching out to various shipping companies and trying to make, especially Jacksonville, a, a major port in the United mm -hmm. States. Uh, Savannah is, is another good area, Charleston, mm -hmm. even up to New York and New Jersey. So we, we have a lot of opportunity. We just need to invest in the infrastructure of these ports and then also really work hard to ensure we have the right regulations in the ports regulations to protect the workers, but also to encourage the business and to encourage the ability of folks to operate on a real-time 24-7 basis, because we're never going to recover unless we have a 24-7 operation or the economy continues to go down the path that's going and everything slows down. Well, why don't we hear about this from the Secretary of Transportation instead of him being up there on Capitol Hill and testifying that he wants to have increased pain at the pump for the American people to force us into having electric vehicles? Where is the focus of our uh, Transportation Secretary and our Transportation Department right now? The focus really seems to be on destroying any hydrocarbon-based uh, transportation right now, right? It's it's how do we make gas as expensive as possible? How do we make it impossible for oil companies to drill, to get new leases, um, to find new sources of oil and gas, or even just to pump the oil and gas that we've already found and know is there and that we can use to do that? Um, and it's also, you know, I think it's typical of the administration that everything is about equity at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's nothing about economics. It's It's equity and diversity and inclusion, which I don't want to argue on whether or not that's the right thing, but it's right not. now we're, we're in a supply chain crisis, right? Yes. We need to be fixing the ports. And then if we want to go worry about whether or not a bridge is racist later, we can go do that. But let's get the ports up and running and operating the way that they should. There's no reason why the United States of America doesn't have the best port facilities in the entire world. You know, I have never seen a bridge or a road that told me I could not go across it or could not drive on it because I'm black. <laughs> so I don't know where this whole equity thing with roads and bridges has come about. But it, to me, it's just another distraction. And this whole thing about equity is the force equality of outcomes. And I'm absolutely sick and tired of it. You know, those of us that know a little bit about the military, military history, we remember the Berlin airlift that got supplies into the people in Berlin after they sealed it off. Are we utilizing our air you know, cargo mode of operations uh, rightly, or are we it's something we can do better uh, with that? Unless the, the government had the military get involved with it and started to do airlifts circa the Berlin airlift, they're at capacity right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's getting more and more expensive to bring stuff in via, via air. Um, I had one of my clients, we actually chartered to 747 and loaded it up because it was faster and less expensive at the end of the day than waiting for the parts to come in. But you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that, and the capacity just is not there. So that's that's not the answer. The, the answer in the short term is to change a few of the rules and the regulations, get people back to work, 
get people working in the right areas, and then invest in the right sets of infrastructure, starting with the ports. Yeah, I mean, we can we continue to hear about infrastructure spending. I mean, we did what one point two trillion in infrastructure spending Correct. just recently. The Obama administration did infrastructure spending, but you, what you're telling us here in the Steadfast and Law podcast that nothing's being done. So where is the money going? It's a very good question. I was in, a, in LaGuardia Airport recently. They have a very nice new terminal there. It took them five years to build it, but you know, I, I think they're focusing more on um, airports right now, and they're focusing on what they can have the good photo ops over, as opposed to things that are actually going to be important to the supply chain of America. And let's face it, it until recently, supply chain wasn't popular. Supply chain wasn't mm -hmm. sexy. You probably weren't thinking much about it. The American people weren't thinking much about it. Until we it's don't only, have it. <laughs> it. It's only nerds like me that were involved with it and said, hey, this is pretty cool stuff. And you realize how fragile it is. But, you know, it's 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 the investment in the photo ops things, building the bridge to nowhere, right? That, that yeah. was part of an infrastructure deal at one point. And we have to stop doing things like that and start holding the politicians accountable to actually invest our tax dollars in things that will make a difference and will help you know, people like your um, your grand your grandson get the baby formula. Well, uh, you know, you're not a nerd uh, because what the military taught me was that if I don't get the beans and the bullets and, and and the things that are necessary as a ground combat guy to be able to fight and defeat the enemy, I lose. And so logistics is so important. And one of the best assignments I had in the military was I was the combat plans officer for the Division Support Command of the 2nd Infantry Division there on the DMZ in, in Korea. And that's why I understood how important logistics is. But for whatever reason, it seems that we have people that don't realize what it is. So I'm telling you, this is what I'm doing right now, Jim. You are right now the Secretary of Transportation for the United States of America. We got about four minutes. Tell me what would be your top three priorities. Priority number one is I'm going to repeal certain regulations. I'm going to let any truck into California that's willing to go to a port, pick up a container and deliver it somewhere. The second thing I'm going to do is let drivers drive longer and keep those ports open 24-7 and really keep them open 24-7, not just a photo op 24-7. I'm going to give incentives to businesses to repatriate their supply chain. And the, you know, the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to um, find ways to incent folks to get into the supply chain. Um, can we find a way to give tax breaks to truckers? Can we find a way to give tax breaks to distribution centers that hire, that hire new workers? The other thing that I would do, and, and Mr. West, this is something that, that no one's talking about. There is a looming supply chain disaster coming if, if things fall into place. Um, AB5 in California was passed, which is going to take set up to 70,000 independent truckers off the road in California. The dock workers on the West Coast, 22,000 of them are working without a contract right now, and they're threatening to strike. And the railroads are almost ready to strike. They, they had a 99.5% vote to strike. Uh, it's only because uh, President Biden um, implemented a presidential emergency board that they're not on strike right now. But we could be in a situation where in mid-September, the railroads go on strike. Imagine what's going to happen to the supply chain if the ports, the trucks, and the railroads all shut down at the exact same time. I need. I would get involved with that, and I would fix that immediately. Why do we not have the proactive vision that you just laid out coming out of this administration and this Department of Transportation? Because roads are racist, and we have to fix that first. <laughs> Amazing. 
you know, um, what what I want to, to people to understand is that you've got to start. We're going into the midterm election cycle. We have got to prioritize this. We have got to have, you know, people that are talking into, uh, about this to the folks that are out there running for the House, running for the Senate, uh, because you're talking about the policies that need to change. But something else I think that we need to do, and it just it just popped back into my head. You've got so many young men and young women who are exiting the military that were truck drivers. Mm-hmm. Why are we not getting them hired uh, to go out there and be truck drivers? We have so many young men and young women that are coming out of high schools. You know, why can't we get them matriculated in and train them up to be truck drivers? Because you're right. We cannot see this incredible shortage is going to come about. Well, you, you have to be right now. This is another rule that I would try to change immediately is you have to be 21 to be a truck driver. So you have people coming out of high school that maybe want to have that job, but they end up in carpentry instead, or mm-hmm. they end up in, in construction instead. And so you're losing that potential. Um, it, it takes a while to get your um, your commercial driver's license. So we have to find a way to do that do that better. Um, and quite frankly, being a truck driver is a tough job. Those they, they don't make a lot of money. They're away from their families. So we need to find a way to make it a more profitable business for them. And that's not by subsidies. That's by relaxing the rules and regulations that choke them to death so that they can't make as much money as they can. We have 18-year-olds that are driving 18-wheelers in the United States military. Yes, sir. I mean, I had young soldiers that were driving, you know, cargo trucks. They're driving fuel tankers and everything in the United States military. Let's look at what we do in our respective branches and bringing them in. I think Fort Eustace up there in Hampton Roads area, that's where they train a lot of those truck drivers. Why can't we replicate that out there? Because, again— I'm sick and tired of us writing people a check to not work when we have the opportunity to give them a good career. Jim, where can people follow the great work that you're doing and continue to enlighten us on this supply chain uh, issue that we're facing? You can find me on Getter at Big Jim 69. That's capital B-I-G, capital J-I-M, the number 69. And on True Social at Big Jim 6555, capital B-I-G, capital J-I-M, 6555. Well, I will tell you that in 2024, you know, God willing and the creek don't rise, we're going to see a change in this uh, presidential administration. You need to be in the Department of Transportation. And if there's any way I can make that happen, I certainly will. I will be first in line. Just let me know where to show up and when to be there. All right. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for your service to the this country and your continued service to this country. And from this old soldier, I just want to say anchors away to your sailor. Thank you, sir, very much, and God bless. God be with you. Take care, Jim. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. A special thanks to Jim Nels, anchors away to him, and all that he is doing to promote and advocate for the strong supply chain here in the United States of America. we got to do better in getting production and manufacturing back here to the United States of America so we don't have those empty shelves, and we got to support our shipping infrastructure as well. Again, if you like this podcast, what you have seen, what you have heard, please click the like button and the share button. God bless you and God be with you. Before they burn it down.